the Cultural Reset. We're your hosts, Emma and Samara. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Cultural Reset with two L's. So let's get into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very different type of episode for November. We are having a special election episode with some exciting guests. Um, But just to let you know, Emma's going to be joining us through Zoom, uh, but we're going to try to preserve the sound quality, so she's just going to be messaging me and not actually speaking. So um, I'm going to let my guests introduce themselves. Uh, I guess I'll go first. Hello, I'm Joshua Davis, communications major, focusing in journalism and broadcasting, and I'm a junior this year. Um, I am 20, and I'm not affiliated with any party. I'm independent, and I'm voting for Biden. Hi, my name is Zach Burley. I am 22. Um, I just graduated from college in May. I am a libertarian, and I'll be voting for Joe Biden. Hi, I'm Bryson Hyman. I am almost 20. Um, I'm a Republican. I'll be voting for Donald J. Trump. Hi, I'm Grant Alford. Uh, I'm 21. I'm a registered Democrat, and I'm voting for Biden. Awesome. Thank you guys for introducing yourselves. Zach, did you go to Campbell? Yeah, I did. I uh, Four years. Um, I was a communication major, just like Josh. Awesome. Yes, sir. So everyone who's here is a Campbell student or a Campbell alum, so just to let you guys know that. So we're going to start off with a question. What could any of you guys say, one word, to describe the other parties present? It doesn't have to be all the parties, pick one, but just one word that you would use to describe. Um, I'll, I'll pick libertarian because obviously I have a, uh, I have a, an, and we're not gonna spend too much time talking about them, but I will say that their ticket is unique. Unique. <laughs> it's Joe Jorgensen, isn't it? Joe yeah. yeah. Oh, it's not um, Gary this year. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Um, one word. Um, we say left. <laughs> uh, you or me? Oh, you can go ahead. Uh, all right. So I guess what? One of the other two parties, uh, Republican. Uh, questionable, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Republican. Uh, good intentioned. So let's start with talking about the candidates. Does anyone want to start? Whichever candidate you're voting for. All right, uh, I'll start. So um, like I said earlier, I'm Joshua voting for Joe Biden and his VP or running mate, Kamala Harris. Uh, my initial reactions, look, they were not my first choice. Let me, let me be very clear about that. I feel like I'm, I'm very much settling for them. And I hate to, you know, be in a position where it's like I have to choose between one or the other and not about actually voting my morals, but I'm settling for Joe Biden because personally I can't vote for Trump. So is there anything that you like specifically about his policies? Um, all right, so compared to his policies from previous years, naturally they are a little bit more progressive, which I actually like. I remember recently he was talking about uh, the 1994 crime bill that um, it was like during his town hall at ABC how he said that parts of that bill were a mistake. I really liked that, because I think that led to a lot of, uh, I think, problems with the <coughs> police system. And, um, I mean, generally, Biden's policies are more progressive, which I more identify with, so I'm pretty happy about that, but it remains to be seen how far he'll actually go with them, as he is a centrist. Gotcha, gotcha, so. 
Uh, well, I guess I'm next. Uh, I am voting for Trump uh, because, personally, I've seen a tremendous increase in the economy. And, and uh, you know, America has, the United States has become a more respected figure, again, um, in the public stage versus when we were under Obama. You know, we came out of 2016 almost a lapping stock to other countries. We had not stood up for ourselves and not stood up and said, this is how it is, this is how it's going to be. Um, and what do I like specifically about his policies? You know, he's kind of taken into action what a lot of the progressives have said and take taxes down and put taxes on the rich. And if you look at it, it's on my Facebook. Um, taxes have gone down for the lower middle and upper middle class, 4%. Um, they have also gone up on the top 1%, 10%. Um, <clears throat> he's also really helped the flow of illegal immigration, and I know that's a very hot topic, but it does take away um, from actual Americans, and he has re rebuilt growth into that. Um, as far as it comes to jobs, he has lowered tariffs um, and low regulations, which has encouraged people like Ford to come back from Mexico and here, which has created thousands and thousands of jobs that have, you know, revitalized the American economy. Not to mention the stock market is continuously at all-time highs. You know, it took it took a, you know, virus and an all-time almost depression to get it back down to Obama levels. Um, and so that's why I will be voting for Trump, because the market is back up and continuing to rise uh, under him. So. so why are you not voting for Biden? Is there any reasons that you're not? There doing? are several reasons. <laughs> um, so first off, um, Biden uh, came to my great home state of South Carolina and uh, decided that he was going to say that he was happy to be in Iowa. That was my first sign. Um, uh, that and, you know, he's been in many states, didn't know where the heck he was. Um, the free college for all and his tax plan is ac absolutely economically destroying. Um, his tax plan would destroy someone like me, um, someone that's trying to pay through college and trying to get their way through. If you actually look at it, I am considered middle class, even though I am an independent student. Uh, my taxes would increase around six to seven percent, which would very much harm me. Um, and since I go to a private college, I would not get that free college that he's talking about. Not to mention, um, you know, he, he's been in office for, what, 40-some-odd years now, and he wants to fix America now, you know. Mm -hmm. um, Trump has been in office for four years, was not a political figure before, and is doing a lot more for this country now. If, if Biden had a plan to save slash change America, he would have done it 46 years ago in my mind. So I'm not going to vote for somebody that's of the establishment. Grant, I saw you shaking your head a little bit. Do you have something to say? Uh, so, uh, I know you mentioned uh, Trump went or Biden went to uh, South Carolina, called it Iowa. Mm -hmm. uh, if we want to talk about, you know, slips of the tongue, listen, you know, Biden, he wasn't my first choice. Okay, I, I don't know many people. Who, Trump wasn't mine either. I will say that. I, I don't know many people who who have their first choice in, in Biden, um, but you know. Biden and Trump both make a lot of slips of the tongue, right? Yes. They, they both mistake. Uh, Trump at one point uh, said, you know, uh, the president of Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico doesn't have a president. They have a governor. 
um, pres uh, uh, President Trump at one point uh, called some of his uh, aides. Uh, he had one this past week where he called uh, one of his aides the name of a convicted felon like seven or eight times in the middle of a speech that he was referencing. Um, so, you know, like I, I understand uh, some of the arguments for, for voting for Trump. I disagree with them, but I understand some of them. Right. Um, but I don't, I don't buy the, the argument that we're voting against Biden because he, you know, has the, the dementia mm -hmm. argument. And, and, and from a purely Republican stance, and since I do work for the GOP and I've been on many packs, um, one of our main worries is that he is mentally incompetent. And so a theory that's been running around our, you know, our ranks is that we're not, the, you know, Democrats are not voting for Joe Biden, they're voting for Kamala Harris because six months, seven, however long afterwards, um, you know, he's going to be declared incompetent to hold the office and then she'll be brought forward. Um, you know, and it's not just, you know, not knowing where he is. Um, if you remember back when he was talking about uh, Corn Pop, uh, the parent <laughs> gangster, and the children rubbing his, you know, his leg hairs and him just going off on a tangent. So, you know, he does not sound like he is mentally competent. That and he, he loves to dodge debates. Um, you know, Trump tested negative and he still decided to not go through it through with it and he was very opposed to debates uh, since May when you know you know it's May of an election year so debates are going to come up um, and we're not scheduling him and he was not a he was not a fan of those at all um, so you know it, it and it looks like his campaign is very much trying to cover him and trying to keep him under wraps so that is a legitimate concern from the Republican Party is that he is not competent to hold the office um, can I get a, a quick Point and uh, Trump was the one who disagreed to doing a debate. They they wanted to move the debate to a virtual debate. Um, one of the the first presidential elections that had debates, the Kennedy and Nixon debate. The third one was virtual because one was in New York and one was in California. Um, but they wanted to move this one to a virtual debate because of the COVID situation. And Trump said he wasn't going to do a virtual debate. Biden was up for the debate. Right, and that goes into other policies I'm sure we'll talk about later with yeah. the virtual. Um. So, Zach, can you tell us why you're voting for Joe Biden? Yeah, sure thing. So uh, I grew up um, in a very Republican family. I served as the vice president of the North Carolina Federation of Teenage Republicans. Um, I, I was very involved in the 2012 Romney campaign, and uh, 2016 came around, and I did cast my vote for Trump, um, something that I regret and that I uh, can't say I'm sorry enough for. I don't know if anyone here was old enough to vote. Um, might have missed it by a year. I'm not sure. But, but anyways, um, afterwards, I changed my party to Libertarian because I couldn't be a part of the, the Republican Party after uh, the James Comey firing. I grappled with what libertarianism is and what it means to vote for a libertarian candidate. Um, when they selected their nominees, which is Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen, um, it came quite clear to me that uh, we're not going to be led out of one of the most uh, difficult periods in American history by a psychologist and a vlogger. Uh, we need someone who has experience, and I believe that the only person, regardless of how much I agree with them on it, which I, I do think I agree with them more than I give myself credit for, um, is someone like Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. You know, everyone around here has said that, you know, it's not their first choice, but in the end, we whittled down so many people into the two candidates that we have, and it's the only choices that we can make. And looking at the policies, 
that Joe Biden has specifically for me, it was the environment. I think that the infrastructure plan to rebuild out of this economy by looking into green jobs, infrastructure deals that can create um, jobs that are going to be built um, at good wages and by American companies, I think is an intelligent plan. And that's just speaking as a, as a common sense person, not as a libertarian, because I'm sure that they would take issue with the government taking such an active role. But um, I think the biggest, the biggest part about it is that the, the degradation that I've seen over the last four years um, has taken me away from where I was. And from that standpoint, I've seen that four more years, uh, I don't believe America can handle it. So the only option for me, um, the only person that can beat Trump is Joe Biden. So regardless of how much I agree with him, which I do, there is no other choice. So can you explain a little bit about why you chose to become a libertarian instead of a Democrat and yeah. how a libertarian is different from Republicans and Democrats. Totally. Um, so libertarians are the crazy ones. Um, <laughs> and I can be frankly honest on that. No, the biggest, the biggest thing is taxation is theft. I think that's the biggest thing they say. And, uh, you know, growing up, I was always a libertarian Republican, I think, as a kid. Um, and when I was younger, uh, since going to college, I think I've realized the impracticalities of some of the ideas of libertarianism, but I still hold true to my identity as individualism, which I don't think is necessarily right or left. You can be an individual leftist and an individual uh, person on the right wing. I don't think that's necessarily one way or another. But the biggest difference is, is they believe in a smaller uh, role of government than both, I think, probably the Republicans and the Democrats do. But after leaving the Republican Party, I was not ready to step um, that far away from my roots. Um, after this election, we will have to see if Donald Trump goes, the Republican Party is going to have a war amongst itself, I believe, and we'll see where everyone lands afterwards. And if Donald Trump wins, um, I may change my affiliation again. Interesting. So, Grant, can you tell me what you specifically don't like about Trump's policies? Where to start? Um, so, one of the one of my focuses in political science is foreign policy. Uh, I'm a very firm believer in the United Nations. I'm a very firm believer in uh, international treaties and and cooperation. Um, I really I, I was one of the the people who wanted to give him a fair shot when he got elected. I didn't like him, you know, but I wanted him to succeed because if he succeeded, then Americans uh, America succeeded. Um, but then he he pulled us out of the uh, Paris Climate Accord. I, I thought that was a very big misstep uh, because that allows for other countries such as Russia and China to come in and kind of pick up uh, where that, that void were, that we left, uh, which gives them more bargaining power among other countries and in the international community. Um, and one of the things also about the Paris Climate Accord is that there, there are no repercussions for not doing your part. You know, it, it's supposed to be like an honor system. And uh, Trump was claiming that you know he didn't like that we were the majority of the payment in there. Well, then just you know decrease the amount of, that you're paying it. There's no reason to leave it other than to try to cause controversy, which is one of the things also I don't like about Trump. Is he he tries to cause controversy because that's you know riles up his base and allows him to kind of stake his claim and make the people against him kind of stake the opposite claim. And I think that's a, a very dangerous thing to do right now, especially in our country where it is getting more partisan and more divided, to fuel that division, I think is very, uh, very dangerous. Um, I also don't like uh, his, his actions for, you know, green energy. You know, previously, you know, uh, I'll, I'll see Republican leaders say, you know, I'm for green energy, eventually we just don't have 
the the means to do it right yet fine you know i disagree with that but that at least is like a, a reasonable stance but trump has kind of gone beyond that and said no green energy just doesn't work and we're not even going to do you know anything for that i feel like that's a big misstep uh those are my my big ones mainly the foreign policy mm-hmm. um because Bryson, you said that you feel like we look better on an international stage yes. than we did. So can Absolutely. you speak a little bit about why you believe that? Yes. So um, let's just take the North Korea stance, for instance. He, you know, North Korea was threatening, and he just took a immediate stance to it um, and said, we're not going to be messed with. You know, we're not going to talk deals. We're not going to talk whatever. You're not going to threaten us. And if you <clears> do threaten us, you're going to be met with a much bigger force, right? Um, you know, you don't fight fire with water, you fight fire with fire. Um, and, uh, you know, with, uh, that guy, what was that guy in Iraq? Um, that we, Soleimani, yes, I thought it was his name. You know, international terrorist, right? We didn't go and take months to, um, negotiate deals. We went and we killed him. Same with Bin Laden, you know? And I found it, you know, very hypocritical because under Obama's administration, which was one of my ha- happiest days under Obama's administration, you know, we went under and we killed Osama bin Laden, an international terrorist. Trump goes and kills uh, Soleimani, an international terrorist, because we're not going to deal with crap, right? And But, you know, Trump is hated because we went on international sto- soil and, you know, disturbed another country. But at the same time, it's saving millions of thousands of lives. Um, as far as the Paris Climate Accord and honestly the WHO, we were paying the vast majority of the funding for those and getting very little in return. And, you know, I think Trump was fed up with it. And I think the Amer- American people were fed up with it. You know, we're not going to pay the, you know, the vast majority of the funding for two organizations that provide that in response provide very little to us. Um, as far as you know, pollution goes, we're nowhere near the levels of China or any of the Asian countries besides Japan um, and maybe South Korea. Um, so for us to be paying that much in and getting very little out is it, it, it's obnoxious. And I think that he was very right. I think he was. I don't know if he was completely right in pulling completely out. I think that that was more of a statement. Um, but the levels that we were paying and the amount that we were putting in there should have been extremely reduced. I do agree with that. Um, you know, so I don't know if we should have pulled completely out, but I do think that pulling out was a statement saying, you know, we're, the United States is a powerhouse and we're not going to get taken advantage of by these other countries. And Trump is all about these big statements, you know, um, under Obama, you know, and honestly under Bush, you know, I'll go out and say it, Bush and Obama both made us look very weak. You know, America had downgraded since, um, honestly, since the Reagan era and each president since had been weak, weaker and weaker and weaker. And so I think, you know, Trump was somebody that came in and finally said, you know what, we're going to go back out and we're going to put ourselves on the international stage and we're not going to be this whole thing to be negotiated with, batted around, you know, you know, push back. We're going to actually come out and reaffirm ourselves as we're not going to get messed with, and you will respect us. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to, to 
counter some of what Bryson said, but really more is more of a Republican point than some of the stuff he mentioned. But looking back um, on some of the policies of the, the Trump administration further back with Republicans, I think one of the problems that conservatives and libertarians have is that a lot of their beliefs become self-fulfilling prophecies. When half of the people that are involved in the government believe the government doesn't work, government doesn't work. And I feel it's the same way with a lot of international groups like the WHO, whether it's WHO or the World Trade Organization. If the United States says we're not committed to this, we don't want to spend money on this, and we don't want to be involved with uh, countries like China or Russia because they're corrupting the system, and we pull away, then the system is not going to work, and it is going to be infiltrated by China and Russia. And these, these countries that we view as threats, whether they are or aren't, aside the point. But uh, specifically with the World uh, Health Organization, I feel like to say that, well, China, because this is, Bryson said more about the funding, but I think one of the big things about it was specifically with the growth of the influence of China. If we remove ourselves from it, then what we're doing is ceding control to the Chinese, if that's what you feel is a bad idea. And that, 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 that thread goes throughout all of uh, American politics, whether you want to go down to funding, taxes, infrastructure, whatever it is. If the people inside the uh, the house think that it doesn't work, then it's not going to work. So that that goes a little bit off what Bryson was saying, but also to ping off what uh, Grant was saying on the uh, Paris Climate Agreement. I mean, when we abandon it, we're also abandoning the the hope that one day we will eventually tackle um, as a as a nation and as a globe the issues of climate change. Do you have anything to say? Um, you know, it's you know. Climate change is a very controversial subject, first off. And um, as far as as far as China goes, man, you know, it, it, they, they've obviously shown themselves to be dishonest. And they're not going to be right. I mean, let's just look at coronavirus right now. They did not report the numbers correctly, period. Um, and so I think worrying about China is something that, that goes way beyond who and the trade agreements, anything, right? China has been a problem for years. And it's been a problem for a lot of other countries. Um, and so, you know, to bring them up is not really super fair because they're, they're at this point, they're anything but an enemy. They're, they're definitely not an ally, and they're definitely not out for anybody's gain but themselves. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't see anything to benefit from that argument specifically. Um, but, you know, it, it's just not fair that, that the United States be put in that big of a role and then, as far as financially and then not have that big a say when it comes out. And, you know, and I do believe that the Americans, you know, to point off of you, uh, Americans don't believe the government works. And that's why they elected Donald J. Trump, you know. Successful and happy com countries do not elect Donald Trump. Desperate ones do, and they're desperate for change because we have the we have had the same thing from you know Bush Senior to Clinton to Bush Junior to Obama. It has been the same old, same old, and very, very steady but very low growth. And you know, I think a lot of people see in Trump what they saw in Reagan, and he's an outsider. You know, he's kind of a Hollywood celebrity, and he's also a businessman. You know, and so they're looking for that growth. They're looking for that change. They're looking for that outsider. You know, we are the American. America is tired of the establishment. 
the people who have been in Congress, they've been in Washington, D.C. for 40, 50-plus years, right? The Dianne Feinsteins, Joe Bidens, I mean um, – uh, Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell. <laughs> um, Graham. Lindsey, well, Lindsey Graham hasn't been there quite 40 years yet. I was uh, – I was uh, – I would have been three or four when he was first elected into the Senate. Um, I'm trying to think what – her name is something in my mind, but she's from California. She just got caught in the salon. Nancy. No, yeah, Nancy, that ugly lady. Um, yeah, but the, the, they're tired of these people who come into politics, lie, 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 lie for 40-plus years, don't do anything for the American people. They do a little something every now and then, right? They have to get elected, so they have to do something. But for the majority of the time, they're not doing crap. Um. And then, you know, after 40 years of office, they say, oh, now I want to change America. You know, United States citizens are done with that. We're done with that. We don't, we don't want that. that. That's bull. So. All right. Well, I want to move on, but if anyone has anything else to say, now's the time. No? Okay. Well, let's talk about the debates. All right. I think that's pretty big part of this election mm -hmm. and like we were talking sure. before we started this uh, no it was on the podcast <laughs> that we didn't have the third presidential debate but let's talk about the one that we did have what are your thoughts on the presidential debate who won if you think that Biden won why do you think that if you think that Trump won why do you think that just general thoughts oh I, oh sorry go ahead um I mean, I don't really think you can call it a debate. I mean, you can call it a disaster. You can call it a mess. Uh, you can call it a garbage fire. Yeah. When I when I first saw this question, I thought there was no winner. There was a yeah. loser. Though. Well, there was a winner. Uh, the, the winner was Joe Biden because he won ah. by default because he was the only person who tried to debate. I mean, when you have a debate and you only have one person debating, they are the winner by default. I disagree, actually. I, I, I believe that... Uh, not that Trump won, but that there was just no winner. If anything, everyone lost. Uh, in my view, uh, when I was watching it, Trump came up across to me as a bully. Um, he was interrupted. He was combative. And I, I, I can see how there would be some Republican voters who'd be like, oh, he's showing dominance. He's showing assertion. But to me, um, and I guess this is where I really, when it comes to presidents and you know politicians of this sort of magnitude, I really expect my presidents, regardless of who they are, regardless of their party, to be compromising, to be willing to talk, to be willing to have that conversation. And Trump showed to me at least that he wasn't willing to have that conversation. Um, then there was Joe Biden who, I don't know, there were some moments, there were some moments where he, I thought, you know, that's really good. He uh, came across, I mean, he, ha he had, so keep in mind, he does have like the speech impediment thing. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, may have hurt his performance a little bit, but I think he did pretty, I think he did decently <coughs> well besides that. And I think the big moment that got to me was uh, when Donald Trump mentioned Joe Biden's son uh, and how Joe was like, he had this problem, he dealt with it, and I'm so proud of him. That's what really got to me. Mm -hmm. If there was any capacity where I think someone won, that's uh, Biden won for me because of that moment alone. But at the end of the day, because I was watching a little bit of the commentary afterwards, I don't think anyone won. I think that looking back at it, it was nothing but two kids coming at each other at a playground. I mean, never in my life would I have expected a politician on a presidential debate to be like, shut up, man, to someone. Mm -hmm. Or say things like, don't use the word smart with me. So 
I don't know, that presidential debate, it was very, very disappointing. And I think everyone lost in that regard. And if there's the biggest loser, I would say it's Trump because there's, like, his appeal, I think, went down a little bit after that. Because I know, because I have a couple friends, personally, I won't mention their names, but I have a couple, like, personal friends who, after they witnessed that debate, they saw Trump and they were like, I'm not voting for him. And they were voting for Trump originally. Uh, actually, for some of the reasons, like, Bryson mentioned earlier, um, you know, his uh, economic policies and whatnot. But when they witnessed that, they were like, I can't do this. And they decided to make the, the choice to switch for Biden. But that's what, that's what I think. I don't think anyone won. That's, that's my idea. I am with you for certain on that. Um, I actually, I was at a watch party with a bunch of Republicans. And, of course, you know, they were going nuts and happy. And every time, you know, Trump said something, they were all whooping and hollering. And, you know, I originally was with them because I do think Trump started it out very well. He had a very positive points. But as it kept going, I sat there and I was quiet. And I was like, you know, there is no winner to this debate. If anything us as the voters are losers because you know these are her final two choices exactly you know i think america lost at, at that debate it wasn't a I, I was very disappointed i was very encouraged by the vice presidential debate i will say that and um you know i still am a believer in trump but i was very disappointed in the debate um as far as cutting out uh calling out hunter biden i feel trump was um justified in that you know his his wife is being called out for the things that she wears his children are being bashed daily in the news media and you know the fact that your whole family is being attacked constantly and you know joe biden has a drug addict son who's doing dirty deals with ukraine might as well call him out you know that i i feel like that was only fair and whether he's doing dirty deals with ukraine or not you know his family is being constantly attacked, regardless. And th that family doesn't even live in the White House, right? They do campaign for him, but they're still – I mean, if you go on TikTok now, even uh, Barron, you know, Barron's 14, and Barron is getting slaughtered on on, ten, on um, TikTok right now. Wait, why? I mean, I've not seen that. Before the kid's 14, I mean, the kid's being called Langley Legs, all sorts of stuff. You know, he's too tall. I mean, the kid's on, you know, and getting called out. The kid's 14. I've seen the free Baron thing. I've not seen that. I'm looking. Yeah, it up no. Later. Look at it. Look it up. No, I mean the, the poor kid's being completely slaughtered online, and the kid was 11 when his dad took office. Yeah, I, I agree. Right. I, I mean, I mean Baron out of it. You, I mean, you, yeah. you you can't you cannot be in a party that attacks an 11 year old, and be surprised when that 11 year old's father comes after a former drug addict that's what 30 something now. You know, that, that's, that's not a surprise but to me. But I think we should make clear two things, that the first swing was not by the Democrats. And I'm going back to 2016. I'm not talking about in the specific debate. But the, I think the bigger point for me, and this is a, not a get-you question. I'm not trying to pose you a question for you to, to have difficulty answer. But my, the problem that I have is I don't see what the point of the vice president's son, who holds no political office, being criticized for a cocaine or a heroin addiction, whatever it was, while two of Trump's family members both serve as special advisors to his campaign. So the question to you is not a, it's not a gimme, it's not a get you question, but right. why, why would it be fair to criticize Hunter, who is not related to the government, for a heroin addiction, but right. not be able to criticize Ivanka and Jared, even though they're special advisors? Right, and Ivanka and Jared are not part of the government. That's the easy question. They're, they're on a campaign. They're advisors to a campaign, not to a president. 
Um, but I, I would say that Jared Kushner did head up the Middle East peace plan. So, I mean, I would say that from their roles, they are, while they may not be given official position, they have headed up government policy and have acted on behalf. So what I'm saying is, is that the, critis the criticism here can fall on someone who very well has a position and a role. You know, you could even criticize Jill Biden because she was the first lady. But I think going to someone like Hunter Biden, and we can talk about supporter throwing, you know, because, of course, both sides get very nasty about this stuff. Mm -hmm. But I my and we can disagree with me on this, but I do not think that the Democrats threw that first stone. Well, and you, and you can just disagree with me on that. And we can, I, I, and we can I go definitely on do. I mean, uh, Trump's Trump's family and everything about Trump has been under <clears throat> attack since he won the election. And honestly, since he went down that golden escalator. I mean, there's been no, there's been no, you know, letdown from the Democrat Party. They have been after him from the very beginning. They were, I remember seeing tweets on election night saying, "We're going to impeach him." Well, the man hasn't even taken office yet, and you're already ready to impeach him, and you can't impeach him unless he's been in office, right? And we did very well seeing the impeachment process come down. So, I definitely cannot agree that tr the Trump side threw the first stone because stones have been thrown. At Trump before he even took office, and as soon as he rolled down that golden escalator, as a Republican. So, uh, you know, I, I am very much against bringing the the families into the the politics. You know, I, I think you you go after the positions of the other person. You know, but then when I'm looking at a, a president, right? I want somebody who isn't going to try to retaliate with you know mudslinging when mud is being slung at him. You know, should they be attacking his kids? I don't believe so. Like, Jared, I think, you know, because he, he has that position in government, he's, he's okay to criticize his way he's going about things. Not as personal. Not, not as personal. I, I think going personal is a, should not be allowed or should not be, you know, kind of praised like it is now. Specifically look at the policies and positions of those persons. Yes, yeah. Now, if, if the person has done something where, you know, you have – uh, the guy in uh, Alabama, Roy Moore, yeah, mm -hmm. where he, you know, he would have those, you know, pedophilia allegations and stuff, and they were pretty credible, right? That's when I think, okay, that's okay to, to attack there. You can't keep a blind eye on that one. But, you know, Biden's character, Trump's character. Yeah, but, but Biden's son is under investigation <clears throat> yeah, um, for illegal dealings. That is, see, see, that's that's where it becomes credible for me. You know, you gave your son money, and your son he is wasn't now, under investigation during that debate, but he, he, he went under investigation after the debate. And the, the investigation, right. to be fair, is not by a by the FBI or the CIA. It is it, during, it's a congressional. It is, it is a congressional. So I mean, we we can get to the vagaries of that, but right. But he's still there's still he was still doing some shady stuff. I mean, I mean, I mean, you can't you can't argue that he was he was doing perfectly legal, straight by the narrow, certainly over you know, overwatched everything over in Ukraine. You don't have you know you you don't have all this controversy over just that. It's just difficult for me to make that argument when Steve Bannon is sitting in prison for representing a Ukrainian prime minister. So I mean, it's it's just I think it's the the problem with all of it for me is that every uh, every attack ad that gets laid out. For me, it's a little bit hypocritical, but I, I don't want to go on too long, too long about it. But for, for me, it, it's like almost everything that the Trump attack ads have. It's like, but you've you've done the same thing, and so it gets it gets difficult for me. I mean, well, what has he done as far as international dealing? Trump, the yeah, the Trump. thing he got impeached for, he he gave a quid pro quo to Ukraine, 
and said, we are going to withhold this aid unless you... Right, but he didn't get impeached. He got impeached by a Democrat-majority House. Okay. I mean, was he was still impeached. And was denied by the Senate. Yeah, I mean, he was still impeached, though. For, yeah, for and, that. I, and I do believe that right, more than half of the chamber voted for it, just not the requisite six, 60 votes, I believe. All right. <laughs> we can go down that further, but this is for yeah. another time. All right, um, Zach. I don't know if you answered if you who you thought won. If anybody won. Yeah, yeah, and I can I can transition into the vice presidential too because I think we've covered a lot on the presidential debate. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone who works in sports, I think some of the times the win, there's not always a winner, but there is a loser. Mm-hmm. So to I think this was kind of mentioned, but I, I think that the the at the end in the in the presidential debate the strategy was come out strong, come out hard. And I, I don't think the president delivered all of those punches the way that he wanted to, regardless about the substance of it, the political strategy. I think that it, it missed on some notes. Um, it's not going to change anyone's mind, though. The vice presidential debate obviously was a much different tone. It oh, was boring, definitely. which was awesome. Um, it's like <laughs> watching the old debates, you know, where it's just a snooze fest for a while. But I think you go back to seeing the very traditional conservative Republicans that are talking about taxes and family values and that sort of thing, which is the only reason why Mike Pence is on the ticket. And then you have Kamala, who people want for, you know, her ability to uh, really stick it out to people. You know, we've seen her um, on the Judiciary Committee, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, She is, of course, all the time, has lots of good clips online of her um, really getting to the the depths of the issues and that sort of thing. So I think both sides were ramped up. In the end, I think both sides are going to be happy with what they saw. I wasn't certainly convinced by either, especially since everyone's talking about, well, one of them could very well be the president in the next Mm -hmm. four years. You know, I, I think that either of them would be competent, and I think one of them would be more competent than the other, and I imagine where you think I'm going with that. But I, I'm not looking at it from the Biden perspective. I'm not worried if, if Kamala was to take over. I don't think she showed anything in that debate that makes me worried. So all yeah. in all, I think it was dull, which was great. Can I jump in on you for a quick yeah. second? Uh, one of the things I, like, the, one of the th- takeaways I took <laughs> away from both debates was the presidential debate itself was about the people the vice, president, the vice presidential debate was about the policy. That's the sort of takeaway that I got. I got a really good introspection to what, how Biden and how Trump would act as presidents. And then from the vice president, I got, from the vice presidential debate, I was like, oh, okay, I see this is where they're going with their policies, this is where they go with their planning, all that fun stuff. In that regard, um, I was actually pleasantly surprised by the vice presidential debate. I had called it to a couple friends beforehand. I, I hypothesized that Kamala would come out the gate swinging uh, hard, which she did. <coughs> Uh, I forget the uh, literal like, usage, but uh, or word for word usage. But she, I remember calling her, calling the entire Trump administration's like handling of COVID at least like a disaster. Um, and then I uh, theorized that Pence would be playing defense most of the time, which I believe I was right on that. Um, if there is any disappointment that I took away from that vice presidential debate, um, Naturally, you know, they're politicians. Both politicians were deflected at some points. In my eyes, from what I saw, I think Pence deflected a lot more than Kamala Harris did. And I'm saying that because I counted numerous times where it felt like uh, he would pivot from whatever question the moderator asked to, oh, wait, uh, Antifa, uh, the Democrats did this, or whatever, instead of answering the question. Now, don't get me wrong. Kamala did the same thing from time to time. But I believe that Pence did it more, and I thought that was very disappointing. Um, in that regard, uh, it also gave me a somewhat opportunity to see how they could possibly act as presidents themselves. And quite frankly, I'm still kind of debating to myself like who I think would be 
better in that regard. Not not policy wise, but like character wise. But uh, I'll let someone else take it. Uh, I do want to jump off where you were saying the a lot of they were deflecting a lot of questions. Uh, it, w- it was because of that I thought none of them really won this debate. Uh, I know my opinion on on this is kind of. Uh, against what the rest of the table thought, where I thought the first debate, the presidential one, had a winner, and this one doesn't have a winner. Um, but, I mean, they weren't answering the questions. I mean, yeah. it, it was it was almost like, who could deflect better? Talking point to yeah. talking point. Talking point to talking point. It, it was very, very clear, because, like, you know, the, the role of a vice president is just to not hurt the ticket, right? That, that's your yeah. only goal. You're, you're not going to hurt the ticket, and you're supposed to be competent in case something happens to the president. And you can tell, like, these two people were just, they had their list of talking points. They had a list of prepared statements. Like, you could tell when they Mm -hmm. were giving a prepared statement. And, I mean, it it didn't give me a whole lot. You know, you had uh, Kamala refuse to to answer about uh, Supreme Court. Right. Um, I I don't blame her for that. That is a a very loaded question for the Biden ticket. Uh, Pence wouldn't answer about uh, immigration a lot. He wouldn't answer about um, uh, COVID in, in the best way. Like he would, he would give a response about COVID, but it wouldn't be about his response to COVID, especially since he was heading the COVID response team. Right. Um, I mean, I, I think both of them were were very calm, very rational. Uh, there weren't a whole lot of interruptions, <laughs> which was nice. I mean, near the end, it was. I was kind of like, oh, are we seeing a repeat of what happened last time? Mm. Especially when they started like going and talking over the moderator. Yeah, like, that, you could tell was, at the end they were getting a little testy. Yeah. Um, I say the Rock needs to do the last debate. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly, I mean, oh. uh, it, it just it was it was boring. It didn't answer anybody's questions. It you know. It was it, great it, for memes though. It was great for memes. <laughs> yeah. The 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 fly being mm. on Pence's head. Like I, I was talking with some people and they were talking about how like you know typical media talk not talking about the debate. They were talking about the fly and Pence's head. It was like well well what did you want to talk about on from the debate? There was nothing <laughs> yeah. to talk about. <laughs> they didn't answer questions. They didn't give any like good sound bites really. I mean. Oh I. No, you do your thing. I'll say oh. my piece at the end. Yeah. Um. No, I think there was. A clear and definite winner of the vice presidential vice presidential debate, and that was obviously Mike Pence. Um, I mean, look, the man stood tall, firm, and really was not confrontational the entire debate. I found Kamala to be bitter and hypocritical throughout the entirety. Um, the fact that she's even on a ticket with Joe Biden, um, especially after. Uh, you know, years of criticizing him and putting him down and all, all but hating him for years. And, I mean, we really saw that in the, you know, Democratic debates, the Democrat debates, you know. I mean, she all but hated him. And the only reason she's on the ticket is because, honestly, she's a female. That's it. They need the female vote. And <laughs> that is, I think, I think Joe Biden looked and said, look, I, you know, I cannot have another white man running with me, especially not after this entire year. I need to have at least a female, and so I have Kamala Harris, and um, you know, I mean, I'm sure maybe George Jorgensen would be a good, somewhat competent person, but that is, I believe, the only reason that she's on there. As far as she goes, I do not think she is at all qualified to have even been on that stage. 
Um, Can I ask you what made, and this is, once again, not a gimme question, but what qualifies Donald Trump to stand on the stage but not the Attorney General of California and a junior mm-hmm. senator? Just well, a genuine Well, question. I mean, uh, first off, first off, you know, she's running for VP. He's president. Second, um, you know, so that's not, even in not a real comparison. Or even in 2016. I mean, I mean he's still he's, running for president. Well, you know. The big thing that appealed people for Donald Trump was he's not a politician. I mean, Right. And Kamala, Kamala, you could say, isn't either, right? I mean, she's um, – but – you know, she wants to go and talk about prison reforms and race issues. Well, and immigration. Well, she's put more illegal immigrants and African Americans behind bars than anybody else you know. And she wants to talk about, you know, keeping prison sentences short. Well, she's literally sold these people's lives into jail. And if you look at her, you know, if you look at some of her policies, she's literally been selling and gaining money off of giving longer sentences to lesser crimes. So, and she's going to talk about, you know, giving less, you know, less time to people that are caught with marijuana, you know, whatever, substances. But her whole life as a district attorney has been, you know, doing the exact opposite of what she's saying. You know, I'm not going to trust somebody who's going to go up there and say that. As far as, you know, I mean, she was just, just just a bitter person the entire debate. Can you give, like, a specific example, like, when she was bitter? I'm speaking. Uh, I mean, but Pence was interrupting her. Well, in not all the times. A lot of times there were questions, you know, there were a couple times in the first time that I said, wow, she's a, not a nice word. Uh, you know, Pence had been asked, asked a question, and she butted in and started talking, and Pence tried to reclaim his time, and she goes, I'm speaking. You know, that's, that, that's a bitter person. You know, she came in angry and you know, hypocritical, and I felt like Trump came in. Uh, sorry. Uh, Pence came in, you know, calm and, you know, willing to actually debate, which, and I will say, the vice presidential debate, like he said, it was a little bit boring. There was only a couple good times. I preferred that much more than what we had with the presidential debate Okay. Um, for certain because it wasn't a cat fight. You know, it wasn't two girls with super long acrylic nails crawling at each other in the back of the club, right? Okay. It was actually – a competent, hearable, you know, decipherable debate, although boring. Brian, I know you had. Um, I, I do want to talk about the the selection of uh, Kamala Harris as VP. Um, she she wasn't she wasn't my first pick for VP. I I was very much for Tammy Duckworth, who's a senator from Illinois. I feel like that's a recurring thing. They weren't my first pick, but here we are. I mean, <laughs> politics is basically is just a, a lifelong pursuit of mediocrity. So yeah, a, a lifelong yeah. pursuit of they were not my first. <laughs> but but uh, Kamala, you know, she she and Joe had been like, I mean, they, they definitely didn't hate each other. Um, it was during the, the debate, or the Democratic primary debates, Kamala did attack some of Joe Biden's positions. Um, she attacked his, like, busing positions and his uh, crime bill position. Joe um, Biden was also the front runner. He was, he was the front runner, and they were both trying to jockey for the uh, middle ground moderate Democrat position. That's why, you know, also you had Warren and uh, Bernie Sanders chipping at each other because they were both jockeying yeah. for the progressive side. And they're very, very good friends. When it comes to presidential debates or any politi- political debates, it's to be expected that, mm-hmm. especially for like you know the same party, well, they're going to come at each other's weak spots. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there were too many instances, at least from what I remember, of them being super 
what's we're looking for? Spiteful, hateful. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's just also once again, it's it's just difficult because when Lindsey Graham calls Trump a xenophobic, rights-baiting bigot, you know, I think that if the argument can be made that Lindsey Graham has come around, it can be the argument can be made that Kamala has as well. And everybody, I would love to keep talking about the debates, but we're running up on time. So let's talk about voting. And I think a topic that you can't escape when you're talking about voting is voter suppression, especially Mm -hmm. in this day and age with mail-in voting. Do you guys think that that's a form of voter suppression? Uh, Wait, what what about about mail-in voting? Do you think mail-in ballots are a form of voter suppression? Oh, no. I I believe... Because, I mean, I, I, I come from a military background. Like, my parents were in the military. And even before when I was born, when they were, like, in Portugal or uh, the Philippines and stuff, this is a, something that they routinely did. I personally believe there's nothing wrong with it. And when it comes down to it, because I know a big thing about uh, Trump's rhetoric surrounding mail-in voting has been uh, voter fraud and whatnot. Um, actually, to pull off voter fraud, like, the consequences really outweigh the benefits. Sure, I mean, sure, yeah, two votes or whatever. But, I mean, you're facing, you know, actual jail time, the loopholes you have to go through to actually properly register. I mean, in terms of, you know, getting the right name and address, social security, all that fun stuff and information that's, you know, really annoying to get. I mean, putting out my voter registration, I thought was annoying, so I couldn't imagine doing that for two. So the, you know, actual consequences and benefits don't really equal each other. And in the time, in this time of COVID nineteen, where you know here we are sitting in this office, all of us masked up, and we have to use social distance and all that fun stuff. Mail in ballots are needed more than ever. Mm-hmm. And in my personal view, I can't help but see Trump's rhetoric surrounding mail in ballots being fraudulent, as being nothing more than he's scared that people are going to vote him out. I mean. And when it comes to that, there's also this, because uh, now we have instances of like, you know, super, super like long lines and like, you know, very sparse polling locations and whatnot. That to me is the sign of a failing democracy uh, or a declining democracy, let me, let me re-say. Because if at any point you have a president attacking the credibility of an election, especially in a system that got him elected in the first place, I believe that's a cause for alarm. And I can't help but question the intentions of that president, regardless of who they are. But uh, I'll hand it off to someone else. Well, um, to go <clears throat> with that, I will say that I do not think mail-in votes are voter suppression at all. The, the concern with my party and with uh, conservatives in general is, like you said, voter fraud. And I think we really saw that in New York City. Um, you know, that was an absolute botched, almost completely absentee um, vote uh, election that went completely wrong, was taken over, and was very fraudulent, you know? And so you already have problems with Florida, for example. Florida's always, every year, they have problems with dead people voting, right? I mean, you go to, there's a piece that was written Back in 2016, when they went and walked down a whole row of cemeteries, and every single one of them had, every single tombstone had voted for Hillary, and, you know, <laughs> they were all on there. So it's always a worry. Voter fraud is always a worry. But with mail-in, with mail-in voting, it is so much easier because you don't have to have a person, right? But you it just has to come from an address. And I have plenty of friends 
Um, I was just talking to my very good friend from high school, Kate, right? Kate's grandmother has been dead for six years now. She's now received nine ballots in the mail, right? Telling her to go vote. Well, her grandmother has been dead for nine plus years. Or sorry, six plus years. Um, so you hear that, and that worries me. Because all it takes is, you know, you have one old person that's dead, right? Or multiple <laughs> old people that are now dead. And you send them to one party's, to a household that is one party affiliated, right? Okay. The government does, apparently doesn't know that they're dead. So what, what's going to stop you from filling out the bubbles, closing it up, and putting it in? Uh, uh, I don't have trust in anybody to not do that. Right? May I, may I ask if your friend Kate did it? If my friend Kate did it? No. No. She's a Republican. Her parents are Democrats. She made sure that it was torn up. Listen, I, I can tell you uh, what would stop somebody from doing that. It's that you have a uh, signature on the ballot. The person has to get the signature. Mm-hmm. If the signature does not match, mm-hmm. right, it's rejected. Mm-hmm. If they, they go through, they take all the, the mail-in ballots, they check each person individually with the mail-in ballot. Mm-hmm. Say, okay, this person's dead. This ballot was sent in with this person's name, with this person's address, with a signature that's supposed to be this person's. This ballot is going out. You have a lot of, of checks on mail-in ballots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had a, a, a friend that goes to UNC. He submitted in his mail-in ballot. He did the little, like, quick little signature that you do, like you're signing a receipt, right? Ballot was not accepted because the signature didn't match the one on the record. And he was the one who did the ballot. So right, you have you have a, lo- uh, a very very uh, vigilant group trying to make sure that these ballots are correct. These right. ballots, like it's it's harder to vote in, you know, through the mail than it is in person because you you go in person, you do a little scribble, and then you have that person there saying yes, this was the correct person. Now I have never heard this whole signature thing. The um, witness on the outside. Is that what you're talking about? No, no, no. My my personal signature. This for me will be my first time voting. Mm-hmm. Right, so if I were to vote for the mail, they would have nothing to base it off of, right? They no, you, you, have a, you have a signature like in the database for like the DMV, and yeah. for uh, when you submitted in your uh, voter okay. registration form, a lot of times you have to sign the paper in person, and then they and can match request, it off that signature. Right, yeah. also, and, you, and when you request the ballot. And you re- request the ballot. But even when they're sending in ballots to people that did not request them, right. these ballots then cannot, you, you know, you can't vote twice still because it, you know, it's illegal. They have ways they're going to catch you. The, mm-hmm. the amount of fraudulent voting is, is very, very, very low. It's, it's practically unheard of. And, you know, you have even the president himself, President Trump, votes by mail. And in 2016, and in 2000, when he ran for president in 2000, uh, he was a, a very heavy advocate for mail-in voting. He because you know he's looking at his base. His base is you know older Americans. You know a lot of Republicans happen to be senior citizens. They have a very hard time getting to the polls sometimes, and so it's a very good idea for you know him to advance this mail-in ballot. Now you have COVID come along. And you have a lot of, uh, you know, liberals who want to stay inside. They don't want to go out, especially waiting in line. Like I happened to vote on on Friday. It was an hour and a half wait. There, there wasn't a lot of social distancing. Um, and I, I don't blame people who would prefer not to put themselves in that situation. Right. Um, and so now you have them voting by mail. 
and he he recognizes that. Like, I don't think Trump is, is stupid by any means. Like, I know there's a lot of Democrats who, who think he is. He's not. Uh, he knows what he's doing. He's looking at this thinking this is a way for a lot of votes that I'm not that, that aren't going to be for me to be you know dis- discounted here. Hmm. Yeah, one of the biggest ideas is I'll let you go. Oh, sorry. No, it, just to come back to your last point, I don't think that anybody that didn't vote, I don't think that there's going to be a huge number of people that didn't vote in the last election that are going to vote in this this election just because there's mail in, right? Because if they were going to vote in last election, they would have done it mail in, right? That was an option for them. Um, so I don't think Trump, Trump is looking at this saying, oh, a bunch of people are you know going to vote for me now because they can do it from home. They could do it from home in 2016, right? They could do it from home in 2012, 28, you know, all the way back. Um, he's looking at this. The Republican Party in general is looking at this and saying, okay, this is something that was brought about. And the, the Democrat Party is pushing very heavily. And you know as well as I do in election season, a party does not push something super heavily unless it is beneficial to them, right? There is no good for the people in election year. There is a good for the Democrats and a good for the Republicans, right? That's just how it is. And so the Republican Party is obviously spe- uh, skeptical, right? There's no reason they shouldn't be. Um, and, uh, you know, with mail-in, you don't have that face-to-face person, the poll worker sitting there saying, this is you, right? Um, I work at Chick-fil-A, and every now and then, I am the last person there, and I have to sign off on, you know, whatever. So to go to your signature thing, if I grew up with my grandmother, I could sign my mother's name, easy, all the way till I die. I know her signature by heart. If I grew up with somebody, and they died, and I could do their signature, Amazingly, I can do my manager's signature amazingly. I do it some nights when I have to because I'm the last person there, and I've only known them for a year. You know, so the the signature thing it really isn't a great argument because if you grow up with your mother, you've obviously every time your mother goes up to the food line, she has a sign. Every time she has to go sign a check, she has a sign, right? You know, I've I've memorized both my mother's and my father's and all my manager's signatures, right? So that's not really a great, um, you know argument because if all it requires is a signature well great i have my mother's my father's and all my manager's signatures completely memorized that i can do that gets pat that gets through an hr department and accounting department and through the executives here right it gets through all of them who's going to tell me it's not going to get through the election board right so if we're talking about you know trusting these ballots will you guys trust whatever the outcome of this election happens to be? I will. I mean, we don't really have a choice but to trust and pray that it was, you know, done properly. I think one of the biggest problems uh, for this election is, so, you know, mail-in ballots versus actual in-person, you know, ballots. Because I know it's like a sort of thing going around in multiple circles, both Republican and Democrat, where it's thought that, you know, Someone might say one thing at, on election day from the in-person ballots, but you know, with mail-in ballots and them having to be counted probably like maybe a day or two after, possibly, right. you know, we'll have a different uh, result. And that's like one of the big worries right now. But at the end of the day, I'm going to trust that the system works. I'm going to trust that you know, the American people have decided truly who they want to be president and that everything was done according to what the citizens wanted. Only once in the history of American politics has an election actually come down to 
uh, whether or not the ballots were counted correctly. You could look at other elections and say, well, did everyone get to vote and all of those different issues, but only in 2000 has it ever actually come down to did all the ballots get counted correctly, and that only was in one state, um, and, and you could actually argue over who actually should have won that election. But throughout the entire history, never once have we had an actual issue with when the ballots were counted, did that person actually win? And I don't think we'll have that issue this time. The only worry that I have is that someone declares that they won before the actual mm -hmm. count is in, and of course that will only be done to destabilize. So I trust the outcome of the election. I have worries about what the results of the announcements of those outcomes will be. Mm -hmm. It would take both parties saying, we won't say anything until it's all finalized. And I mean, if you look at 2000, that's a great example because literally they were both had a good shot at becoming the president. And at the end, Al Gore just gave up. He said, look, the courts have made their decision. I disagree with it. And if you listen to that speech, it's probably one of the most calm moments you'll see in political history when the man arguably should have become the next president. You won't see anything like that this time. I feel like if, if it was to go the other way. So that's where my, my worry comes in, not as the actual result, but you know where everyone wants to interpret the results too. Uh, you know, yes, I will trust the outcome of this election. I don't feel like it would be as bitter as he says it will be. Will it be, you know, not light? And will, you know, he pull Bill Clinton where he removes the W's off of every keyboard in the White House? I can see that happening very easily. Very easily. Right? Um, but I do think both parties do respect that this is an election and whoever wins, wins. Um, but, yeah, I will definitely... Um, trust the outcome of this election, um, you know, be it good or bad for me personally and my party. Uh, of, of course, I'm going to uh, accept the results of the election. I mean, that's what democracies are, are based off of, is this trust that, you know, the system works. And the, the more we trust in the system and believe in the system, the better it works. Um, I, I, I do uh, worry about you know, Trump saying, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to accept the results. Uh, he said that in 2016. I, I disagreed with it then. Um, he's saying it again now. Um, and, and it's honestly kind of sad that, you know, he says, you know, the sitting president says, I'm not sure if I'm going to accept the results of the election. And it doesn't even make front page news. And everybody just kind of goes, yeah, that's Trump. You know, it's... I mean, come on, let's be honest. <laughs> with, with, this, with the Trump administration, our news feeds are like, we're getting like ten years worth of new, news, news, <laughs> like two weeks sometimes. I mean, I, I I miss the days when when Biden was VP and then he would say something dumb, you know. No, oh, he maybe, still does. I mean, he still does. But I mean, he I mean, still does. I mean, he says I mean, I mean, poor kids are just as rich as white kids, right? Yeah. I mean, he says something Let's dumb not talk like about that right now. Every two that weeks or so, and then oh, that's man. the news. I miss it when that was the news instead of now. It's like all right, the tan suit, the tan suit. Yeah. I, uh, instead of now, where you go on on Twitter and, and Trump and like it, I, it looked like some cocaine fueled rage is tweeting "Space Force vote" in all caps, along with like fifty million other tweets, <laughs> and just like what is going on? I mean, still, I'm not seeing uh, good evidence of that Space Force. I'm very disappointed. <laughs> it's I only mean, been up for what? Eight months now? Look, I was expecting my Master Chief armor and energy sword. Like, yeah. <laughs> you wanted, like, full-on Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, like, why would I not? <laughs> no longer bullet. <laughs> Sorry. But, but, but to, to go back, you, you know, like uh, you know I, I do worry about Trump saying, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to accept the results. Everybody should accept the results of the election, whether they like it or not. Mm -hmm. if, if Trump wins, you know, Democrats accept the results. If 
you know, Biden wins, Republicans accept the results. This is, you know, a democracy. This is how America has worked for 300 some years. You know, we're going to get through this. We always get through this. Mm-hmm. Please, everybody, just, you know, I understand if you don't like the results, but just accept the accept the results. We have to be really concerned about the bases, too. Because, um, I mean, let's be honest, both sides have their radical and violent tendencies. You know, they're violent, radical groups on both sides, regardless of what you want to say. And it's going to be up to us on both sides, you know, us moderates or centrists, whatever you want to call ourselves, to, you know, to prevent the more violent members of our, our particular sides, hey, just because you, the candidate you support didn't win the election does not give you the right to cause chaos. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's the concern as well. It's not yeah. just the candidates, but the, the people who are on both mm-hmm. sides who are possibly might take actions into their own hands. And that's, that has nothing to do with politics. That has everything to do with the safety of just mm-hmm. everyday Americans. Right, and, and we have not seen a lot of that this year. And I just want to make sure that the candidates themselves don't encourage anything. All right, so let's jump to why voting is important and kind of just like really encouraging our listeners to vote because that is literally the foundation of our country, democracy. Yeah, I think that, you know, I'm sitting at a table. um, This is crazy. This has never happened to me in my life except maybe like at the kids' table at Thanksgiving. But I'm sitting (laughs) at a table with people who for the first time are going to be voting. Um, and that's awesome, or have already voted, and that's awesome. And people that listen to this podcast may also never have voted before, regardless of what their age is. But the whole point of why we exist is self-representation. We would not have even existed in the first place had it not been for a wanting to be able to vote and elect our own leaders. Mm-hmm. If we stop doing that now, then there was no point for every action that's led up to the one today. It, there is nothing that we can say anything else besides it is the most important duty that you can do as an American. It only works. Democracy only works if you vote. Whoever you vote for, I do not care. We can all talk about our own preferences, but in the end, the voting thing is the most important. And uh, otherwise, we have, we have lost hope in the way that we work, and we're going to give in to tendencies like populism and nationalism that can only lead down a dark road. So I, just vote, please. That's yeah. the same. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, Representation is the best form of democracy you can have. Um, having your voice voice heard. I don't care what you've seen on Instagram. You know, saying that if you don't vote for who, whatever, you know, then you're this, that, and the other. It's not true. Get out there, cast your ballot. You know, and you know, th- if you don't use it, you lose it, right? Mm-hmm. So, use your rights. Use what you have, and do like I agree with Zach. Your most important civic duty is to vote every four years. Technically, you say every two years, depending on midterms, but yeah. Uh, we are extremely lucky to, to live in a country where we have the right to go vote. We have the freedom to go vote. We have the ability. I think all of us here have the ability to easily get to a poll and, and go vote. Um, you know, so when you're given that, that gift, that right, you know, use it. You know, there's a lot of people out there a lot less fortunate than we are who don't get the chance to vote. And, you know, I, I don't know about y'all. I, when I went and I voted, it was it was an hour and a half line to vote. I would have gladly waited, you know, from 8 a.m. in the morning to 7.30 p.m. To, to vote because it's it's an honor and it's a privilege and it's a, you know, a very, very important right that we have. And so since you have that right, please go exercise it. Go use that have your voice heard, you know, if, if you feel, you know, any emotions, if you feel anything, 
you know, go vote because that means that there are going to be other people out there who share those feelings, who share those ideas, who share, you know, that worldview. Same as you. And, you know, this is your opportunity to actually, you know, not just change your state, not just change the country, but actually change the world. Because this, this impacts everything. It impacts, like, your, your local elections. This impacts how your town is run. This impacts how your state's run. This impacts how your country's run. And it impacts how, you know, your country interacts with other countries on the global scale. This is so, so, so important. Please go vote. And if I can just say one more thing, I haven't mentioned this because it's not the point of this discussion, but I'm, I'm running for office, for public office, at 22. And I look around and I see four other people in person and one person through a computer screen who are, uh, in my opinion, uh, going to be gifts to society. I could see all of you being future leaders in whatever it is that you do. And for myself, there's, there's nothing that qualifies me to run for office. The only reason that I'm running for office is because I can. I couldn't do that in some other countries. I couldn't do that in this country 300 years ago. So there are ways for you all to get involved, and you don't have to be uh, you know, qualified to do them necessarily. You can just get involved. You don't have to be a genius on all of the policy to get involved. You don't have to just vote. You can vote and you can volunteer. There are so many different ways to get involved in democracy outside of just voting. That's the first step. But if you can do that and you find that inspiring, there's a much different path that you can follow down that will open up your eyes to an incredible world. So don't just stop there. While that's an incredible first step, there's a whole world that you can explore without having to be a political nerd like the rest of us. <laughs> exactly. I think that was very well put by all of you guys. And I just want to say thank you all for listening. And how we say at the end of all of our podcasts, we always appreciate feedback, comments, concerns, or a follow. And you can always... Get in touch with us on our Instagram at the Cultural Reset with two L's. Or if you know either MRI personally, you can always reach us to us, reach out to us that way. But to end it all, thank you all for listening and thank you to my guests. This was a very great conversation and I really enjoyed hearing what all of you had to say. So um, we'll see you next time. I'm not going to do that.